This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! New Pentax DSLR, Leica M11, DJI's Inspire 3, and more. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 333 for Sunday, April 16th, 2023. And I'm changing things up a little bit this week. Instead of doing news and rumors, I'm going to try doing news stories only to see if maybe that'll be a little bit more popular with my audience. So it's just a little bit of an experiment. We're going to try it out and see how things work. So let's get on over to Petapixel and cover the news stories for this week. Pentax unveils the K3 Mark III monochrome DSLR for black and white photography. Ricoh has announced a new Pentax K3 Mark III digital SLR camera designed exclusively for black and white photography. The new Pentax K3 Mark III monochrome is the only monochrome-specific DSLR on the market. While the only DSLR designed for monochrome photography, the K3 Mark III monochrome is not the first black-and-white digital camera joining Leica cameras in the M monochrome Type 246 and the M10 monochrome. Phase 1 also makes an achromatic medium-format digital back. Monochromatic cameras are undoubtedly a niche product, but as, as photographer Mark Kogel writes for Petapixel, quote, once you define a photographic project or at least decide on a general direction for your work, you pick the tool that's right to help you achieve your goals. It certainly doesn't have to be a monochrome-only camera, but it may be a viable choice. Black and white cameras can be an excellent tool for certain uh, photographers, although the downside that these specialized cameras cannot be turned back into color cameras with a quick setting change is a limiting factor for many. The concept of a monochrome-specific digital SLR camera attracted a great deal of attention and interest from photographers who participated in an online fan event held in November of 2021, says Ken Curry, president of Rico Imaging Americas. Quote, Pentax has since conducted extensive research on the development of a commercial product based on this concept, and we're excited to announce it today. The K3 Mark III monochrome is, unsurprisingly, based on the existing K3 Mark III Pentax flagship APS-C format DSLR. While the camera body is substantially unchanged, Pentax has made a few adjustments to reflect the camera's monochromatic capabilities. The LCD data panel now features white backlight illumination, and the menu screen features a black and white visual scheme as default. The icons printed on the camera's buttons and switches are finished in three shades of gray rather than the typical color paint. Ultimately, it's what's inside that counts. The camera incorporates a new monochrome-specific 25.7 megapixel image sensor. Pentax explains the image quality benefits in the new camera for black and white photography. Quote, a typical color image sensor composes a black and white image by converting the color data to monochrome. This new custom sensor does not have to convert any data because it can reflect the brightness obtained by each pixel in the image, thus producing extra fine sharpness in images that only the monochrome, monochrome specific sensor can deliver. 
The new camera also includes three exclusive custom image modes for black and white photography. In addition to standard mode, the camera includes hard mode for high contrast photography and soft mode to capture high key low contrast images. Each mode can be customized across parameters such as tone, key, contrast, and sharpness. The Pentax K3 Mark III monochrome will be available later this month as a body-only configuration through Ricoh and authorized retailers with a suggested retail price of $2,199.95. And I was intrigued when I saw this story, and my hat's off to Pentax for not totally giving up. I, I still don't understand why they decided not to move on to mirrorless technology, and they're sticking with DSLRs, but... They do have a following, uh, fan following, I guess you could call it, of loyal Pentax shooters. And to offer a monochrome-only camera, I think, is a really cool thing. Again, Leica does it as well. Although, for me personally, I, I, I'm absolutely certain that a monochromatic-only sensor can get you finer details and sharpness in your monochrome photography. But for me personally, I'd rather stick with my Fujis, and if I want monochrome, I just shoot in either the monochrome film sim or my preferred one, which is Acris. Um, so I'll stick with that. Uh, I couldn't see the need to buy a monochrome-only camera, at least not for me personally. But hey, if it's something you're into, rock and roll. Next up, Leica M11 monochrome, black and white, 60 megapixel photos up to ISO 200,000. Leica has announced the M11 Monochrome, a digital rangefinder that features a multi-resolution full-frame BSI sensor that only captures black and white images. The camera uses the body of the M11 and is made of all metal. Leica points specifically to the aluminum top plate, sapphire glass display, leatherette covering, and scratch-resistant black finish as contributing to what it calls timeless appeal. The camera is fully monochrome, like the photos it will take, and doesn't have the Leica logo, but does have a dark chrome plating on the optical viewfinder that the company says accentuates its understated, iconic design. The M11 monochrome can shoot in three resolutions, 60, 36, or 18 megapixels. It shoots to JPEG and DNG RAW, and has an expanded ISO range of 125 to 200,000. Quote, as a result, creators are able to capture images with an unprecedented rendition of even the finest details and exceptionally natural looking definition, even in difficult lighting conditions and an extremely low noise, even in the high ISO range, the company says. The M11 monochrome again features internal storage, but Leica has expanded it to 256 gigabytes. It can also shoot to an SD card, which can be inserted into the battery compartment. Pictures taken with the camera can be transferred via the Leica Photos app, either via USB-C or Bluetooth. The Leica M11 Monochrome is built on a tradition of excellence from a legacy of exquisite craftsmanship, innovation, and iconic design to the ethos of the Leica M family, made in Germany with a focus on the essentials. Das, das Wenzenstil, Leica says. Uh, let's see here. In addition to the new monochrome, Leica has also announced a refined new version of its Sumalax M 50mm f1.4 ASPH, a re-imaging of a legendary optic. The lens has been remade with the latest technology while maintaining the compact and lightweight design the original was known for. It features 11 instead of 9 aperture blades, and the focusing distance has been extended from 70cm to 45 the latter is only made possible by the double cam gear, especially developed by Leica engineers. 
As a result, Leica says the rotation angle of the distance ring could be greatly expanded compared to the previous model, so that focusing has become even more precise over the entire setting range. Quote, at the same time, neither the frame size nor the sensitivity of the focus has been changed, which makes the lens particularly comfortable to handle even when focusing within the extended close-up range. Up to 70 centimeters, focusing is done as usual via the rangefinder of the digital and analog M cameras. For focusing within the extended close-up range between 70 and 45 centimeters, it is necessary to use live view on the screen. The VisoFlex or the Leica Photos app Leica explains. The new Sumalax M50mm f1.4 ASPH is available in silver or black anodized versions. The black version will be priced at $4,495, while the silver version will retail for $4,795. Both will be available starting April 13th. So definitely some interesting news from Leica, and it's interesting that two major camera companies are unveiling new monochrome cameras this week. Uh, it is interesting, and I think it's really cool. Again, like I said, if that's what you're into, fantastic. Now, me personally, I couldn't afford a Leica. I'm not a dentist or a lawyer, so I don't think I'll probably ever end up owning one. It would be nice, but pie-in-the-sky thinking, I would say, at this point. But there are some beautiful images in both stories that you can check out for yourself. DJI's new Inspire 3 can see at night and shoots full-frame 8K at 75 frames per second. DJI has announced the Inspire 3, a high-end all-in-one cinema drone that features a 161-degree ultra-wide night vision first-person view, or FPV, camera and a main camera equipped with a full-frame sensor that can shoot 8K at 75 frames per second in Apple ProRes RAW. According to DJI, the Inspire 3 is the only cinema-grade drone that supports both RTK-powered Waypoint Pro, RTK is DJI's high-precision navigation and positioning system, and omnidirectional sensing platform, flight missions more safely and with higher precision. There are upgrades and changes across the board from the Inspire 2, from the design of the body to the camera system, both for shooting and piloting the drone. DJI says the Inspire 3 was completely redesigned compared to its predecessor to create a light integrated body that's still portable despite a robust frame and improved hardware across the board. The FPV camera, visual sensors, positioning antennas, and storage card are all integrated into the airframe for what the company describes as a minimalist look. The result is a strong, aggressive overall aesthetic. And you should check out the images in the YouTube video in this article because they look amazing. The Inspire 3 uses new TB51 hot-swappable dual-intelligent batteries that allow it to stay in the air for up to 28 minutes. Those batteries power a propulsion system lets the Inspire 3 reach a flight speed of up to 94 kilometers per hour, 8 meters per second, ascent and descent speed, and a dive speed of up to 10 meters per second. DJI upgraded the Inspire's camera system and claims the new full-frame Zenmuse X9-8K air gimbal camera is the lightest ever. It is powered by the company's latest imaging processing system, Syncor 3.0, which supports internal recording of up to 8K at 25 frames per second, Cinema DNG video, as well as 8K at 75 frames per second Apple ProRes RAW video. Additionally, in SNO mode, the X9-8K error supports internal recording of up to full-frame 4K at 120 frames per second ProRes RAW video without any cropping. 
The X9 8K Air supports dual native ISO, and at full frame, 30 frames per second and below, it offers EL800 or yeah, 804,000, supporting the 24 frames per second commonly seen in film productions and the 25 frames per second used in commercial and television productions. At above 30 frames per second, the EL320-1600 is available, which DJI says delivers ultra-clear footage for low-light scenes that still bring excellent detail. The X9 AK Air covers 14 stops of dynamic range, uh, also brings more possibility for post-editing, which the company says retains genuine colors even after significant exposure adjustments. Basically, the X9 8K Air puts the power of Nikon Z9 camera up in the sky. The Inspire 3's FPV camera features a new 161-degree field of view, ultra-wide-angle lens in front of a Type 1-19 night vision sensor with a 3UM pixel size and up to 1080p at 60 frames per second live feed. DJI says this ensures a clear, stabilized, ultra-low-latency view for situational awareness and additional flight safety day and night. The DJI Inspire 3 integrates high-precision RTK positioning technology that DJI says is already deployed in industries such as architecture and surveying to deliver centimeter-level accuracy. The company says that RTK not only makes flying more stable, but also flight route planning more accurately more accurate, significantly improving creative efficiency. The integrated 3GNSS system, GPS plus Galileo plus uh, B2I, is powered by built-in dual-layered ceramic RTK antennas and ensures precise flight maneuvers even in challenging environments. By activating the RTK network or setting up a DR2K2 mobile station, users can achieve highly accurate positioning without mounting any additional modules. These also provide the Inspire 3 with internal orientation, eliminating the need for compass calibration in most scenarios. Additionally, DJI says this feature enables the all-new Waypoint Pro function, which enables flight route and shot planning with a wide range of customized settings. DJI says the Inspire 3 has nine visual sensors, which makes it the most advanced omnidirectional sensing system to date. It can detect obstacles in all directions to facilitate comprehensive protection while flying. These can be customized and horizontal, upward, downward obstacle sensing can be enabled or disabled independently, and an obstacle alert range can be set manually to suit different scenarios. DJI says that a major focus of the Inspire 3 was to allow it to seamlessly integrate into a professional film set, such as it features time sync support through a 3.5mm jack for high precision control on set. Additionally, the Inspire 3 can be paired with one RC Plus and one Hybrite remote monitor, and the DJI 3-channel follow focus can also be connected to the RC Plus to enable remote focus and iris control on the Zenmuse X9 Air camera. The Inspire 3 Zenmuse X9 8K Air gimbal camera uses DJI's DL mount, but the company says that it will also support an E-mount version. For the DL mount, DJI has announced four new lenses, an 18mm f2.8 ASPH, a 24mm f2.8 ASPH, 35mm f2.8 ASPH, and a 50mm f2.8 LS ASPH. It will also release a new telephoto lens. Focal length was not defined at a later date. 
the 18, 24, and 35 millimeters will retail for $12.99, while the 50 millimeter will cost $11.99. Pricing and availability, the DJI Inspire 3 is priced at $16,499 and will be available by the end of June. That price includes the aircraft Zenmuse X9 8K air gimbal camera, RC Plus remote controller, six TB51 batteries, a charging hub, a Pro SSD 1 terabyte, a trolley case, three foldable quick-release propellers, pairs, lens-carrying box, RC Plus strap, and other miscellaneous accessories. So this is definitely some exciting news for Hollywood and any kind of uh, studio production. And it's really great because I, I think I've talked about this in, in a past episode. But one of the really great things about the Inspire drones is DJI is actually helping production studios save a considerable amount of money. Now, if you didn't already know, before the Inspire drones came to market, when a studio production wanted to shoot aerial video, uh, chase scenes, or anything else for a TV show or movie, they had to rent specially equipped helicopters along with the entire flight crew and the camera operators and all of that stuff. And those Helicopters ranged anywhere from $50,000 to $250,000 per day to rent for production. So even at $17,000 for this third-generation Inspire drone, that's considerably cheaper. And the nice thing is, a studio can buy like three or four of these drones for the same minimum amount of money they would have spent per day to rent a helicopter camera rig. And they can use the drones over and over again. So they can definitely get a lot more bang for their buck using the Inspire drones to do all of that filming that they used to do by renting those specially equipped helicopters. So definitely some serious production cost savings for any kind of studio production. And that's a great thing. Next up, divorced woman demands refund from wedding photographer four years later. A South African wedding photographer this week received what he calls the craziest request he has heard in his career. A woman whose wedding he shot four years ago in 2019 is demanding a full refund for the wedding photography because she got divorced and doesn't need the photos anymore. Johannesburg-based photographer Lance Romeo tells Petapixel that the client was a friend of a friend he met shortly before the wedding. Quote, I was doing a photo shoot at her friend's birthday party, Romeo says. Then the friend told me that she has a friend who's getting married and needs a photographer. Then I told her you can give her my number. That same night when I got home, that lady contacted me and told me she needed a photographer. She told me the wedding is in Durban, her husband's hometown. Romeo says he quoted his standard rate of 15,000 U.S. African Rand, which is $815 American, the couple negotiated it down to 12,000 Rand or 650 American. An agreement was reached and the photographer shot the wedding. Quote, after the wedding, I came back home and sent the pictures to them and I moved on, Romeo says. Happy client. They loved the pictures. And that was that. Or so I thought. Fast forward four years and Romeo received an unexpected message on Monday from the woman on the instant messaging app WhatsApp. Romeo initially thought she would ask to hire him again for another shoot of some sort, but he was taken aback when the woman explained that she had since gotten divorced and was now requesting a refund since she no longer needed the photos. Quote, well, I'm now divorced and those pictures, I and my ex-husband don't need them anymore, she writes. You did a wonderful job on them, but they went to waste 
as we are now divorced. I will need a refund of the amount we paid you because we don't need them anymore. After confirming she was actually serious with the request, Romeo explained that photographs don't, our photographers don't offer such refunds. Quote, I'm very sorry to hear that you and your husband divorced, but as I'm sure you can figure out, that's not going to happen, he writes back. Photography is a non-sick refundable service once I've already delivered to you the service and the pictures. I can't refund you because I can't untake the pictures. The woman then, then escalates the demand by threatening to get lawyers involved. Quote, that is something you must have in your contract that no refunds the woman writes, but you didn't, so I'm entitled to demand a refund as I am no longer in need of your pictures. I understand it's not your fault, but you are a business, and as such, you must be able to grant refunds. Initially, I thought I was being pranked, Romeo says. I thought she was joking and that she would tell me why she was contacting me and she would just and she was just trying to be funny. So I responded the way I responded, thinking there's no way she's this crazy and would tell me it's a joke. But I responded that way in case she's serious, and it turns out she is serious. Quote, I've come across some crazy clients, but not like this. She takes the cake. She has threatened to sue me for defamation of character. She can't because she was never identified publicly, but maybe she thought I'd be intimidated. It'll be hilarious. I don't want to lie. The lady still has not let on. She's adamant that she needs to get her money back. She's really serious, and she still wants, wants to meet up with me. I don't even know what to say anymore because this is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in this line of work. And this is definitely a new one. This absolutely takes the cake. And I feel bad for the woman genuinely that her and her husband have since divorced. But when you hire a wedding photographer, it doesn't need to be in the contract that you don't get a refund years later because you and your spouse divorced and you no longer need the photos. Use a little bit of common sense. All right, I'm going to take a break right here and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Scientists use AI to enhance first-ever photo of a black hole. A team of researchers has developed a machine learning technique to give the first-ever image of a supermassive black hole a new, sharper look. The iconic image of the supermassive black hole at the center of Masseri 87 resulted from a massive international collaboration of more than 200 astronomers. Scientists at the Event Horizon Telescope, EHT, used a planetary-scale array of seven ground-based telescopes to capture the incredible image. Since the original observation, additional telescopes have been added to the array. The original image shared in 2019 is incredible, of course, but thanks to advanced in advances in artificial intelligence, or AI, a research team developed a machine learning technique called PRIMO that maximizes the resolving possibilities of the existing array of telescopes. PRIMO stands for Principal Component Interferometric 
modeling, and it was developed by EHT members Lisa Medeiros, Institute for Advanced Study, Demetrius Saltis, Georgia Tech, and Todd Lauer, NSF's NOR Lab, and Farrell Ozell, Georgia Tech. A paper describing the team's work has been published in the Aspherical Journal Letters. Primo relies on a type of machine learning called dictionary learning. This technique technique teaches computers specific rules by exposing them to thousands of examples. The team exposed Primo to the EHT image of Messier Messier 87, and computers analyzed over 30,000 high-fidelity simulated images of gas accreting onto a black hole to find common patterns among the tens of thousands of simulated images. Space.com explains that the identified patterns were then sorted uh, by how frequently they affected simulations, which helped Primo reveal structures the telescope array may have missed during original observations. Quote, we are using physics to fill in regions of missing data in a way that has never been done before by using machine learning. This could have important implications for interferometry, which plays a role in fields from exoplanets to medicine. Medeiros explains in a press release published by the Institute for Advanced Study. Quote, the results were then blended to provide a highly accurate representation of the EHT's observation, simultaneously providing a high-fidelity estimate of the missing structure of the image, explains Nori Lab. The machine learning algorithm used to create the sharp new photos is detailed in the Astrophysical Journal. With our new machine learning technique, Primo, we were able to achieve the maximum resolution of the current array, says lead author Leah Medeiros. Since we cannot study black holes up close, the detail of an image plays a critical role in our ability to understand its behavior. The width of the ring in the image is now similar are smaller by about a factor of two, which will be a powerful constraint for our theoretical models and tests of gravity. Primo is a new approach to the difficult task of constructing images from EHT observations. It provides a way to compensate for the missing information about the object being observed, which is required to generate the images that would have been seen using a single gigantic radio telescope the size of Earth, explains Todd Lauer. Considering that the new photo is technically the result of many AI-generated simulations, it's natural to wonder how realistic it is. Quote, the team confirmed that the newly rendered image is consistent with the HT data and with theoretical expectations, including the bright ring of emission expected to be produced by hot gas falling into the black hole, Nora Lab explains. Using the original image, scientists determined that the Messier 87 black hole is about 4 billion or 40 billion kilometers or 25 million miles across, which is roughly or which is nearly 29,000 suns. The black hole, which is about 500 million trillion kilometers or 311 million trillion miles away, is believed to have a mass of about 6.5 billion times that of the sun. However, those figures may be revised due to the image's AI upgrade. Scientists can study the new image to determine the mass of the Messier 87 black hole with additional precision. Quote, the 2019 image was just the beginning. If a picture is worth a thousand words, the data underlying that image have many more stories to tell. Primo will continue to be a critical tool in extracting such insights, says Medeiros. Since the original image was released in 2019, HT scientists have also published research showing the M87 black hole's magnetic fields and the first image of the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Nora Lab says that Primo was 
can also be applied to other EHT observations, including those of Sagittarius A, the central black hole in the Milky Way galaxy. And there are some fast, fantastic images in this article in the show notes, as well as a YouTube video that I highly recommend that you check out for yourself. This is some really, really cool use of AI technology. 100 ASA launches a long-awaited iOS app as it challenges Instagram. Instagram alternative 100 ASA has launched its long-awaited iOS app, further enhancing 100 ASA's competitive viability as a social media platform for passionate photographers. The new 100 ASA iOS app promises a user-friendly design and intuitive experience for photographers of all skill levels. Photographers can use the app to discover, share, and engage with fellow photographers. Within the app, users can browse curated photos and upload their images for consideration. Earlier this year, 100 ASA announced that its users could solicit feedback from a professional team of curators and critics. 100 ASA Professional Critiques allows photographers to submit images for evaluation. Quote, as personal photo coaches, we give constructive feedback to improve your photography regardless of skill level. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, or a picture taker, or a professional photographer, 100 ASA explains. The new app will provide users with another avenue to receive feedback, including professional photo critiques. One of 100 ASA's strengths is its community curation system. This curatorial approach enables users to rate and comment on photos with the ratings helping the best work float to the top and be seen by more users. The app promises to be an excellent place for photographers to find inspiration and learn new ways they may be able to improve their work. Quote, we're thrilled to be launching our iOS app, which will make it easier for photographers to engage with the 100 ISA community from anywhere in the world. Our platform is built on collaboration and learning from each other, and we believe the app will make it even easier for photographers to do just that, says Andrea Turi, co-founder of 100 ASA. The app includes 100 ASA's new rewards program. Users can earn points by performing various actions on the platform, including uploading photos, commenting on images, and participating in 100 ASA various photography challenges. Quote, we're excited about the rewards program as it's a way for us to give back to the community and help our users to improve their photography skills, says Mazzamilano Poloso, co-founder of 100 ASA. We believe the app will be a game changer for anyone who loves photography and wants to connect with like-minded people. Reward points can be exchanged for membership discounts, free memberships, professional critiques, Amazon gift cards, merchandise, books, and charitable donations. Most rewards will be added to the catalog soon. The 100 ASA iOS app and the web version are designed to be accessible to all photographers regardless of their experience level. The platform also includes resources to help photographers learn new skills, including tutorials, tips and tricks, and exclusive content from professional photographers. Quote, we're committed to making photography accessible to everyone, regardless of their skill level or background. Our platform is designed to be a welcoming and inclusive community where everyone can learn and grow together, says Tori. While there has been an Android version of 100 ASA for years, the iOS app has been a long time coming. 100 ASA first announced plans for its iOS app back in 2021. The iOS app's launch is essential to 100 ASA's goal to provide an appealing alternative to Instagram. 100 ASA hasn't been shy about its goal to provide photographers with a better platform than Instagram, especially as Instagram has continually focused on reels, sponsored content, and advertising. In 2021, Peluso said that Instagram had lost its identity. 
100 ASA wants to create a productive, helpful, and welcoming space for enthusiastic photographers to share their work and view the inspiring photos captured by others. Earlier this year, 100 ASA told Petapixel that 100 ASA is a unique photography platform that emphasizes quality over quantity and class over mass. Part of the company's approach to quality over quantity is limiting the activity of free members. While users with free accounts can upload unlimited photos, they can submit only three for curation consideration per week. Pro and Pro Plus membership offers additional submissions and many other benefits. The membership options are explained in detail on 100 ASA's website. And this is definitely exciting, and I'm on the platform. I've been on there for a little while. I haven't used it a whole lot, just to be honest. But I may have to check out their iOS app for myself just to see how well it works and how easy it is to use. So I may be giving you an update on that in a future episode. Lomography launches Lomo School Online Film Photography Education. The Lomographic Society has announced the Lomography School promising an analog education like never before. For film photographers, especially beginners, it can be challenging to find the resources they need to learn about all aspects of analog photography and lomography. The Lomo School delivers everything from the analog basics to exciting experimental techniques in one place. The Lomographic Society started more than 30 years ago when a group of happy-go-lucky and unruly students joined to support each other's creative photography endeavors. That idea expanded into the vast Lomography community of today, including Lomography's various products, its magazine, competitions, and photo-sharing tools. Lomography's shop includes a variety, uh, a wide range of film, films, cameras, lenses, and accessories for analog photographers. The new Lomo School takes the idea of supporting and supplying analog photographers to the logical next step, providing an educational resource that tackles film photography topics from the basic to the very advanced. Quote, this new section of our website is aimed at anyone and everyone with a passion for analog. Whether they're someone who's never touched a film camera before, someone who likes the look of lomography but has no idea where to start, or an experienced film photographer looking to get more creative. Everyone is welcome at the Lomography School, explains the Lomographic Society. Feature topics include multiple exposure photography, instant photography, film photography basics, film scanning, and different types of film. Many topics are available in the Lomo School, but if photographers can't find what they're looking for, they're invited to email school at lomography.com to ask their most burning questions. The Lomography School will grow and expand over time based on feedback. Lomography also hopes its new school will be an interactive space that provides analog photographers of all skill levels the tools they need to grow as artists and creators. The Lomography community is already 1 million strong, and the new school will likely spur new growth. Film photographers are welcome to explore the new Lomography school and research any, nearly any topic concerning analog photography and equipment and techniques. The resource is free for all users. P.S. Pixel also recently published a trio of guides focused on film photography, and you can check those out at the bottom of this article in today's show notes for yourself. And wrapping up for today's episode, hands-on with the Leica M11 Monochrome, an artist's dream. Somehow, 2023 has turned into quite the year for monochrome cameras. Leica, Leica, though, is no stranger to the format, and the M11 Monochrome is just the latest in a series of excellent additions to the space. 
In 2020, I lauded the predecessor to the M11 monochrome as a camera that was great, not in spite of its weaknesses, but because of them. What I meant by this was that rangefinders are, at least compared to the modern cameras we've been seeing for the last several years, extremely slow, plodding, but thoughtful devices. You're shooting with a rangefinder not to necessarily catch a decisive moment, but to enjoy the process of creating art. That's not to say you can't catch that decisive moment. It's just not a system that makes that process easy. Losing the ability to shoot color could also be seen as a weakness, but it simultaneously affords a photographer the unique ability to focus in on shapes and light. I have very much enjoyed every second I have spent with monochrome cameras, and the M11 monochrome is no different. This camera is just fun to use. I feel like I see the world differently when I'm shooting it, because I legitimately am. And I can certainly understand why Leica keeps making new black and white cameras. There is certainly a unique appeal. But that said, I very much like the M10 monochrome, so I wasn't really sure what the M11 could bring to the table that would feel like a necessary upgrade. After using it for several weeks, I can point out a few things that are notably different that may make it worth looking at versus the predecessor. As before, and with basically every Leica product I've used over the last decade, the M11 monochrome feels fantastic to use. It has heft without being heavy. It feels like it's a bowl, like a or built like a tank, and every movable piece feels tuned for the perfect amount of manual feedback, with some minor exceptions. Firstly, I want to mention that the new bottom plate design is fantastic. It facilitates easy battery changes, and the USB-C port is super easy to access. Some folks, like Petapixel's Chris Nichols, enjoyed the design of the M11 more than the M10, and those folks are going to feel right at home with that monochrome that shares that same body. I also like that while you can control ISO from the dedicated dial on the left-hand side of the camera, you can also program the camera to allow you to change it more easily from the command dial on the right where your thumb rests, which is a lot faster than trying to fiddle with what is admittedly a bit finicky. That's basically the only minor exception worth mentioning, and if it weren't, if there wasn't a way to get around using it, that would be a true annoyance. But as noted, there is a workaround, which is great. Leica's monochrome cameras also just look fantastic. It's a very understated design that doesn't draw much attention. Aesthetically, the black shutter button and grayed-out dial markings are not only fitting to the monochrome nature of the camera, but the clean and nondescript front plate is really nice for feeling stealthy. It doesn't stand out, and it doesn't look super valuable, so it doesn't feel like a huge stretch to say it really does operate like a working photographer's camera. The M11 monochrome doesn't feel hugely different to me than shooting with the M10 monochrome, at least from an image-making perspective. It's still a rangefinder, it still holds similarity, and it still takes some getting used to if you're coming from a modern mirrorless or DSLR. Earlier, I mentioned easy changing, easily changing ISO, and while this is always important, it's actually particularly so with the M11 monochrome because of how high you can push it. It can go up to 20,000 and still produce usable images. And there are some beautiful images in this article in the show notes, which you can check out for yourself. The M11 monochrome has such a high maximum ISO that it doesn't really impact the quality of images no matter how much you push it. The sensor's lack of a color filter promises to bring improved abilities to work with shadows, highlights, and ISO noise, and that is very much the case. The Leica M11 monochrome has a very natural analog look. Basically, no matter what you're shooting, it's very forgiving. 
The camera again features built-in memory, but this time it has been increased to 256 gigabytes. I'm not one to shoot to internal memory because I'm not the biggest fan of plugging my camera into my computer, personal preference, so I'll shoot to the single SD card slot, but I can certainly see the appeal. I would use the internal memory as a backup to my SD card, though, and it's reassuring that there is storage available if, to, if I either fill my memory card or forget when I leave, one when I leave the house. We'll definitely get more into image quality in our full review, but the photos I've taken thus far just look so darn good. Black and white is kind of cheating since basically everything looks better in black and white, but I was just really enjoying playing with the light and shapes more than I do when I have a color camera. Beyond just black and white, though, the M11 monochrome produces really sharp, crisp images when you nail focus, but you can go for a softer look if you choose to miss just a bit. The camera really can be whatever you want it to be, and I appreciate that. The M11 monochrome is really the most perfect example of a camera for making art. It's not fast by any design, and the black and white photos it produces just yearn to be printed and framed. Even if a subject isn't inherently interesting, there is something about the process of shooting and capturing images that can turn the bland into the exciting. We'll certainly go into more detail in our full review, but I basically had a big, dumb grin on my face the whole time I've spent with the M11 monochrome. There is certainly value in that fact alone. So again, you know, Leica is pushing forward with more monochromatic cameras, and they've been doing it for a long time, so it's not all that surprising. And it will be interesting to see Chris Nichols' full review of the Leica M11 monochrome once he and Jordan start releasing their videos for Petapixel's YouTube channel beginning on May 1st. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 333 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber to the show, why not? It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost you a thing. And I have a massive catalog, back catalog of episodes that you can go back and enjoy at your leisure. Now, also remember my latest contest where you can enter to win a Platypod Extreme Flat Tripod. That contest ends in three days. So make sure you visit the show notes and click the link to get your entries in. Also, if you'd be so kind, stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, 
Subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new content drops. And just to give you an update, I am still in discussions with Chris Nichols and Jordan Drake to have them on the show later on here in the month of April. It's probably going to be, uh, I'll record with them the week of the 28th to the 30th, and it'll be released the following Thursday. So fingers crossed, it looks like that's going to happen. And it's exciting. I think it's a great time to get them on the show right smack before they start doing videos for their new home at Petapixel. So definitely excited at that idea and look forward to having those two wonderfully and talented gentlemen here on the show for my listeners. All right, that wraps this one up. I'll see you all again on Thursday.